Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, right? Amen. This is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice in it, right? Amen. It's good to be here. First, guys, I want to thank you for having me today. We love Harvest Ridge. We have connections here for many years while I was living here in Ohio. We attended your Wednesday night. I was pastoring in Wellington, but coming here on Wednesday night, my kids were involved. We went to camp. So I don't feel like a stranger. I feel like I'm home today. Amen. So thanks for having us so much. But, you know, sometimes when you go through life... There are people that impact your life in such an incredible way. Oftentimes people bless us and come beside us and we learn from people. But oftentimes there's one or two in your life that, that make an impact. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Now listen, if, if you guys are going to be quiet, I'm going to preach longer. There you go, amen. I don't mind having some hanky-waving, tambourine-slapping, Holy Ghost-shouting Christians, Okay. So as I said, there, there are people that make impacts in your life that, that, that really touch you deep in a most positive and genuine way. They, they help you think different. They, they challenge you to walk in faith deeper. Does any of you guys know what I'm talking about? Well, I want to pause for a second because that person, that couple's in the room. When I was in Wellington, this couple touched my life so much that it has made an impact on everything I've done in the most positive way. The way I'm a husband, this couple made an impact on me. The way I father my children, this couple made an impact on me. The way I pastor my church, the way I share my message, this couple made an impact on me. So if you would allow me just to indulge me for just a couple seconds here, I want to say I love you and I thank you to Dan and Lisa Archer. Guys, we love you so much. Thank you so much for the impact. I don't know where you're sitting. All I see is lights. But for the impact that you've had on my life and for sowing into me. Thank you so much. Guys, we are so glad, again, to be back in Ohio. And, you know, there was a lot of things Ohio blesses with, great friends, good food. We found out what a, a Ohio, that chocolate, delicious, wonderful Ohio treat is. We know what that is. But what I left mostly with is that I was bleeding. Now, I said it wrong in the first service, but I was bleeding scarlet gray when I left. You know, there's a lot of things I learned here, but I learned there's a team in Ohio. It's almost religious-like, okay? It's almost a cult-like. I mean, I've never seen it before, but I left, leaving lots of things back here, moving on, but there's something I took with me. Hallelujah. There's something I took with me that my heart bleeds. That's right. Scarlet, gray, come on. Woo-hoo. So I learned, though, that no matter where Ohio people are, there's a phrase that you say, no matter what you're doing, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's going on, if somebody yells out, O-H, no matter what, you could be having surgery and somebody yell out to the surgeon, O-H, you guys know it. I was in Guatemala. It's pretty far away from Ohio. Guatemala, that's south of Mexico. 
I was in an Indian market. And there, at the end of the market, all the way down the street, past the trinkets and gifts, there was a shirt that just blazed scarlet gray. And I yelled out, and above all the voices, above all the languages, I yelled out to that man I never met before. I yelled out, O-H! And he turned around, and there was a connection that meant for life. I'll tell you, there's something I left. I, I bring it with me wherever I go. I got a big sticker, big magnet. It's on my door. People go in and go, what's that? I go, the best football, college football team in the world. Come on. Now am I on your side? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, guys, we started a ministry in 2019 called Forgiving the Nightmare. What happened was is that I was going through a season of looking at God. God, I just need some help. I need some healing. I need to be healthier in everything. I need to be healthier in my weight, and I'm still working on that. But I'm, I need to be healthier in the way I think, the way I come. So I was at the end of 2019, right before the pandemic started, and I said, Lord, I need your help. So the Lord started me on a journey of getting healthier in a lot of different parts of my life. And what came out of that journey was something that he spoke to me many, many years ago. He spoke to me when I was Bible college, a ministry called Forgiving the Nightmare. But I never knew what it was going to look like. I didn't know what it was going to take place. I didn't know how it was going to happen. But the Lord said, now it's time. And as we stepped out, the Lord challenged me to write a book. Now here's the funny part. <laughs> I'm a dyslexic. Thank you. You got it. That's right. I'm a dyslexic and God said, write a book. And I did what any good, strong, faithful Christian did. I said, no. But God wins, doesn't he? Amen. So God helped me write this book. We launched it at the end of last, actually it'll be a year, December, it'll be one year out. And the Lord has just opened plenty of doors about my book, Forgiving the Nightmare. What's my book talk about? My book, Forgiving the Nightmare, talks about that all of us have a trauma, a tragedy, a nightmare, if you would, that we walk through. All of us are carrying a scar, a pain, a regret. We've been through an addiction, a death, a sorrow, a pain. And something has happened that the enemy has tried to steal from us our joy and our identity because of that past. How many know who's with me? Yeah, you with me? I will. Thanks. But God, God brought me on this journey, and he started to open doors. So what happened is this dyslexic guy starts writing a book. God starts putting people beside me. My wife's helping me. My editor's helping me. My publisher... Uh, Everything's happening. We published the book. And who am I? I'm nobody but a servant of Jesus Christ. And the doors started to open. First thing that happened, I started to get calls from podcasters all around the world. They wanted to hear the story of forgiving the nightmare. They wanted to hear the tragedy, but they also wanted to hear, how did you forgive those who trespassed against you? So I started to share all around the world. I got one call from Australia. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning, and they called me up, and they went, Hello, Mark. Hello. But then what happened was that I got a call one day, and it was from Mark Batterson. Mark Batterson, who wrote The Circle Maker, and he called me up, and he said, Mark, I just read your book. I thought it was a good one. He said, you got a great message. He endorsed our book. But the whole time I'm talking to Mark Batterson, I'm thinking in my head, don't say anything foolish. Don't say anything foolish. From Mark Madison's phone call and his endorsement, many other things started to open up. We got a call from the 700 Club. You know Pat Robinson? Yeah, I didn't talk to him. But, but that's who got I, the 700 Club. They came to our home and they filmed the video and they aired it on the 700 Club. God has been opening up some incredible doors. I've been able to go on Cornerstone Network out of Pennsylvania. I was down in Atlanta, Georgia, speaking for the glory of God, not for my own power, but for God's glory about what God has done. And just recently, I was 
was in Florida at CTN, Christian Television Network, and here I am, a nobody. Let me say that again. I don't know which way's up. I know Jesus, and that's all I know. How about you? And there I am, and they're saying, Mark, we want to take your, your book and turn it into a television show. That's what I said. Wow. <laughs> wow. How do you do that? So we sat down. So what's happened is today you, we have a table out in the back. And our table in the back has my book, Forgiven the Nightmare. We'd love for you guys to stop by, say hi to my wife. She's the prettiest girl. You'll recognize her. Okay, she's back there. But if you want to help us out in two ways, buy a book. That really blesses us. But if you can also think about praying about asking God to help us make a donation towards our TV show, that'd be great. So thank you so much if you could help us out in that way. But I'll tell you, all the things that I've been able to do with the book and what the doors have been opened, and one of the greatest testimonies is an email I got not too long ago. It's one of the greatest testimonies. It really transcends any place I've been able to speak or anything I've been able to say and anything I've been able to do. It's an email I got. I was on a podcast that aired in California, and I got an email from a woman, and she said, Pastor Mark, we've been married, me and my husband. My husband and I have been married for over 30-plus years. We have kids. We have grandkids. And we were ready to go out. And as I was getting ready to dress up, I was putting my makeup on. I was ready to head out the door. My husband was waiting for you, and up came your, your interview on a local podcast. And we were listening to your story, and I turned turned around, and for the first time in 35 years, I saw my husband with tears coming down his face. And I stopped, and I said, honey, what's wrong? And he said, Mark's story is my story. And for the first time in 35 years of marriage, grandkids, children, grandkids, they were able to pray, seek the Lord, and go find some help. And that's what Forgiving the Nightmare is about. Forgiving the Nightmare is a story that brings hope to the hopeless. It's about a story to find peace in the midst of the storm. It's a story that God can do great things from normal to through normal people. Amen? So I just want to share with you today that my story, you may not know my, you may not have the same kind of story for me. From the ages of 7 to 14, I was horribly abused. I was abused in every way, shape, or form. I was beaten. I was raped. I was, all the things that happened. But God saved us and did some great things through us. But the thing that I carried the most in those years and even into later life was the lies that my enemy, that my attacker left me with. And we're going to talk about the victory that God can give you when you know that your name has been changed by Jesus Christ. Amen. So right now I'm going to share with you the video that the 700 Club became and filmed with us. So if you could show that video team, thank you. This man came into my life and he began to abuse me. He began to abuse me in every way, shape, or form, verbally, emotionally. Uh, he abused me physically, and he abused me sexually. That was my reality. That's all I knew was this rejection, this pain, this brokenness, this sorrow. That was normal. That was life. Mark Sowersby grew up without his biological father. His mother divorced her first husband after he cheated on her, and Mark was born later out of an affair with a married man who quickly abandoned them. I think my mom was dealing with a lot of neglect in her own life, rejection and pain, insecurities and fears. But as her pain became louder in her life, her hurts became louder and spilled out. When Mark was seven years old, his mother married a man 20 years younger than her. Shortly after, the abuse began. It was a late night I can never forget. I can still remember the, the smell of my abuser's breath. I still remember the threshold that crackled. And I still remember the attack of my body. Very confused because I was attacked in a sexual way, not knowing anything about those kind of touches, good touches, bad touches. And I remember it very clearly, remembering that when it was done, my abuser told me to keep it a secret or they'd take me away. 
From that point on, the abuse occurred almost daily, and not just sexual. Mark was beaten, cut, burned, and sold to other men for their perverse pleasures. I felt like I was bad. I felt like I did something wrong. I was just confused. This was a normality. I would come home, I'd be abused, I'd be raped, I'd be sold to others. And this was just my reality. It was just all I knew. I didn't know a different way. I didn't know up and down, left and right. I knew abuse and I became empty. Mark kept the abuse from his mother for a while, but when he finally told her what was happening, his agony fell on deaf ears. She did not know how to handle that. She called my abuser in the room and he, she confronted my abuser with my abuse and he promised never to do it again. Well, the next morning I got the biggest beating in my life. So I felt empty, alone, guilty, afraid. The abuse continued for seven years until Mark turned 14 and found the courage to fight off his abuser. He then ran to his uncle who took Mark in after he learned what was happening. He was somebody who stood up for me and he protected me from that day forth. And after the day I told my uncle, the abuse never came again. When Mark turned 16, he was invited to church by a friend. There, he found comfort and community the likes of which he never knew. He was also introduced to Jesus Christ. I said that prayer, Father, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and become my Lord and Savior. At that moment, I knew Jesus Christ was with me. And I became a fixture at that church. I met some great people in that church. I met people who love me and support me. The church truly became a sanctuary for me. Mark soon felt a calling to go to Bible college and become a pastor. He graduated and married, starting a family. Mark would become a pastor of his own church, but the tortures of his youth were an ever-present shadow. The things that stuck with me after I left the home, the lies that filled my heart and my mind and my soul was the insecurity. Mark your junk. It was just something that was always there. Like the sun rising in the morning and the, and the sun setting in the night. My abuse was always there. It was always about me. The anxieties and fears that he harbored began to affect his health. He found comfort in food until a pre-diabetic diagnosis caused Mark to take stock in his physical and mental state. He knew something needed to change. I was always waiting for the day that the past, the hurts, would no longer be there. That day never came. What happened is that God became louder. God became bigger. I started telling those lies from the enemy that my God is stronger. I started to get confidence not built in me, but a confidence that comes from knowing that my God can still open doors, move mountains. He can still make a way. He confronted his past through prayer, reading God's word and counseling. He then found true healing when he made the choice to forgive his abuser. So forgiveness changed everything because it severed the, the attacks, it severed the lies of my abuser. So now God's truth echoed louder than the abuser's. I've forgiven my abuser by giving him into the hands of God. Being honest, talking to counselors, talking to Christian social workers, and having mentors in your life, that's how all this came to place. I gave myself the freedom to say, you know what, I'm angry today. Can I really forgive? I can't, except for Christ. Mark reconciled with his mother before she passed away and met his biological father at the age of 45. He asked Mark to forgive him for his abandonment. 
Mark's physical, mental, and spiritual life are healthy now, and he started a ministry called Forgiving the Nightmare, where he shares his story of overcoming abuse through the love of Christ. God said, you're no longer victim. You're no longer abused. You're no longer leftover. You're no longer junk. You're no longer broken. But now, through me, and only in me and through me, are you overcomer. Now my name is no longer victim, it's victorious. Now my name is no longer broken, it's overcomer. And I live in that. My identity, it's true, 100%. I was abused, neglected, raped. That's 100%. But that's not who I am. Who I am is what Christ calls me. I'm a son of God. I'm a servant on the Most High. And I am delivered and set free in Jesus. Hallelujah. May the Lord be glorified. May the Lord be glorified. This morning, that's what we're going to talk about. Because no matter what trauma you've been through, no matter what tragedy, nightmare, fear, pain, hurt, no matter what you've been through, the enemy wants to use it to steal the joy of the Lord from you, to tie you up, to put knots in your life, to not think of yourself as whole, but think of yourself as broken. When you go through the traumas of life, you're always waiting for the other foot to drop. You're waiting for the good times to end, for the ones you love to leave. You're waiting for that bad day to happen. You're, you're waiting it because that's all you know. And when you live that way, it hurts, it's frightening, and you're waiting to live in the brokenness of your past. But today I want to tell you that God wants to set you free and let you know that your past does not have to order your future. That what you went through in your past, no matter what it is, maybe it's abuse like I went through, maybe it's something else, but no matter what you went through, I want to let you know this morning that that does not have to dictate who you are. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross to set you what? Free. Come on, people. So let's walk in that freedom. Now, that freedom didn't come easy. The freedom is a part of a journey. So I want to take you to a piece of scripture today. Before I do, can we pray well, as a body? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace. We thank you for your love and your mercy. I thank you, Lord God, for the sweetness in this room. Father, thank you for the fellowship between brothers and sisters. Lord, I thank you for the worship that lifted up your name. I thank you for the young couple that said yes to you that you're sending forth, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing. Father, we pray for Pastor Kevin as he's away today that you bless and go beside him and just give him all that he needs, Lord. But now, Father God, we come to the Word of God. We come to the Logos, the Rhema. Father, we come to the living Word, and I pray you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Father, I pray you give us a heart to receive what the Spirit is doing. I pray, Lord God, we put our hands upon the plow and be about our Father's business. Hide your servant, Lord God. Hide your servant behind the cross. And may you be glorified. And all God's children said, amen and amen. I want to take you to a piece of Scripture. And that scripture is found in the book of Genesis. It's found in Genesis chapter 32, 22 through 28. Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 28. And here we're going to find Jacob. And Jacob is a man we're going to look about because he had to wrestle. He had to fight through. He had to walk out. 
what he wanted his blessing to be. And sometimes when you're going through major tragedy, tragedy with a capital T, you are, we're all waiting for the day that we'll wake up and it'll all be gone. We're waiting for the day that we'll have rainbows and butterflies. But I'll tell you, for me, that day never came. What came? God became bigger than all my pain. God became bigger than all my shame. God became bigger. So in this place, we see that Jacob is walking out that same blessing. He's walking that out today. So let me give you a little bit of background. Jacob's name literally means deceiver. That was his name. It wasn't a nickname. It wasn't something the guys called him. It wasn't something, you know, it was his name. His name literally means deceiver, liar, cheat. That's what Jacob meant. That's the name. That's the identity. That's what out went before him. When people saw him, they didn't see what he had. They saw what he was. Here comes Jacob. Here comes the liar, the deceiver, and the cheat. And here in this chapter, we see earlier in the chapter, his brother Esau is coming to reconcile. His brother Esau, who he has cheated, who he has lied to, how, who he's manipulated, is coming to, to reconcile with his brother. He's on his way. His past is showing up. How many know what I'm talking about? His past is showing up. So what he does earlier in this text, he does what he's always done. He manipulated and cheated, but it didn't work. He sent a bribe. He sent this. He sent that. But his brother said, I don't care anymore. He can't bribe his way. He can't lie his way. The deceiver can't deceive his way. I'm coming, and we're going to sit down and have a talk. So he does what anybody does when you're in that kind of situation. You begin to trust in the Lord. So let's look what he did. So we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 28. It says, that night, the night before Esau's coming, Jacob does a few things here. What happens is Jacob, the night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jacob. So the first thing we see is that Jacob takes his family, the ones that he loves, the one he's been called responsible for, the one he cares about, he takes his family and he puts them, what, on one side of the river. Where he was camping, there was a river. He said, you guys go on the other side and wait for me. The next thing we see him do, we see him do here, is what? We see him do in verse 23. After he sent across the stream, he sent all his possessions. So now his possessions, all that he owned, all, all that he is, all his family, he sends them all on one side of the river, and he's now alone by himself, on the other side. Now, when you've gone through trauma, when you've gone through problems, when you've gone through hurts, when you've gone through this kind of stuff, oftentimes when you're that kind of person, the last thing you want to do is be alone. The last thing you want to do is be left with your own thoughts. That's why the TV's on all the time. That's why you always want people around you. That's why you're always looking for stuff to do. Because you don't want to just sit there. you got to have something moving. Because when you sit there, you're in your own head. You're in your own memories. You're in your own thought. Then the enemy starts to creep in. The enemy starts to lie. The past tries to come back. Listen, I don't want to be by myself. I don't want to be alone. That's why things like this happen. Because when you've gone through major trauma, and when you're all by yourself, the enemy comes in to try to attack, doesn't he? Comes in and you're left to your own thoughts. You're after your own self. How many is with me today? There's Jacob by himself. By himself. He's taken his family. He's taken his possessions. He's taking all he has and put them on one side. 
And there he's in a solitude place. He's in a place of prayer, I would imagine. He's in a place all by himself. When you go through major trauma, even when it's not your fault, Come on, I know my problem, this was not my fault. But I know that I, was, I had to get to a place and I had to wrestle out, I had to think about, I had to deal with, I had to pray about, I had to seek answers. Why God? Why? Why does this, if you're a real God, if you're a God that loves me, if you're a God that so much loves, why was I the one that was attacked? God, why did my father abandon me? Why did my mother neglect me? Why did that man come into my life and steal my innocence? God, why did that happen? If you're a real God, why? Come on, do we talk like this at church? God, if you're a real God, why did this happen? I thought you were a God of love. I thought you love everybody. When you're by yourself, you start asking some hard questions. Questions that you don't want anybody to know. Questions that sometimes scare you that you're even asking God. But I'll tell you, God's big. And he loves us so much. He's our Abba Father, isn't he? And he told me, he said, Mark, you're going to ask some hard questions. I'm going to give you some hard answers. And they were the perfect answer. Oh, it wasn't one of these Holy Ghost shouting answers. It was, I know your ways are higher than my way answers. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to go dance at the altar kind of answer. It was by faith, I know you are in control kind of answer. So what was my answer that day? My answer that day when I said, God, why did all this stuff happen? Why did this take place? The Lord said, because I called you from your mother's womb. Me? And the enemies have been after you ever since the call on your life. He tried to deceive you. He tried to steal you. He tried to rob from you. But I was with you always. What a hard answer. Really? You were with me? But he was. So there's Jacob all by himself. And he's talking to God. His brother's coming. His past's going to show up. The other foot's going to drop. He's all by himself. And his thoughts, I can only imagine thinking about what he did and what he didn't do and what he would do if he could do it again. All the things that happened that way. But I want to tell you today... There he was by himself. And it said this in verse 24. So Jacob was left alone. And a man, in your text might say God or an angel. But God, a man, angel, a man was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Wrestle. What a profound word. He had to wrestle with this man. Sometimes when you're dealing with the trauma in your life, you got to wrestle it out. Oh, come let us study together, the Bible tells us. Oh, come let us work out our salvation. Sometimes you got to wrestle with the things that so easily snare. How many is with me today? Say amen. How, how many? you got to wrestle time sometimes, and you don't want to wrestle with it. You want to forget it. You don't want to talk about it. You wish you could go back to Egypt. Hey, Lord, I don't want to deal with it anymore. I'll tell you, sometimes you just want to, but sometimes we got to wrestle with those things that are so deep. Things we don't want to think about. Things we've buried. Oh, you know those things. We've built our own, we've built our own protection. We've used our own psyche. We've built those walls up, but God's telling us to tear down those walls and build up an altar. But you know what? That's why you've buried it in a bottle. You've buried it 
in food like I did. You buried it in cheesecake. You buried it somewhere because you didn't want to deal with it. That's why you go on those places on the computer. That's why you talk the way, because you don't want to deal with that thing. You don't want to deal with that problem. You don't want to wrestle with it because it hurts too much. It's too scary. It's too afraid. Oh God, if you love me, take it away. He's not going to take it away. You know, I am a Pentecostal with a capital P. I am an unapologetic Pentecostal. I believe my God can and he will. Amen? I believe my God can raise from the dead. I believe my God can open up blind eyes. I believe my God can give, up, give hearing to the deaf. I believe my God can do all things because he's sovereign and he's in control. Amen? My miracle didn't come that way. My miracle came through the journey. And my miracle is no less than a miracle of a twinkling of eye because God was there and he did it. Amen? Maybe your miracle has to come through the journey. Maybe your miracle has to come through the wrestling. Maybe your miracle has to come by carrying that cross. Maybe your miracle, but your miracle is no less, no less significant, no less valuable, no less important than those that get healed in the twinkle of an eye. Amen, church? So there's Jacob, and he's wrestling. Why, if, how, when, what, if I could. He's wrestling with that past. He's wrestling, and it says this in the next verse. Ready? I'll tell you. It says this in the next verse. In verse, in verse 25, it said, When the man, who's the man? The angel, God. When the man saw he could not overpower him, who's him? Jacob. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched, as they wrestled, as he wrestled with the man. Sometimes when you're wrestling, there's some scars. Sometimes when you're wrestling, some things get brought up. Sometimes when you're wrestling, it hurts. Wait a second, I'm a Christian. God loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones, if God loves me, I would never have any problems or any troubles because God loves me. Sometimes when you got to deal with this trauma, and I'm not, even, even when it's not your fault, it wasn't my fault that I was abused, but I had to deal with the trauma of that abuse. And I just wanted to say, God, sick them. I just wanted to say, God, I wanted revenge. Oh, did I want, I fantasized about revenge. Of course, I'm human. But God had to take me to that quiet place, and I had to wrestle out what it meant to forgive thy neighbor. I had to wrestle out what it meant to say, give us this day our daily bread and help us forgive those who trespass against. I had to wrestle it out. I said, God, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. God, you ever got one you don't like? There's some you like, but there's some you like. I'll read later. We'll get to that one. This one, I'm, I'm still working on it. I don't like that one, God. It's too hard. How dare you tell me that i got to forgive the man who took my innocence, who left me insecure and frightened, who left me tethered to the lies. The abuse became the rudder in which I steered my life by. Oh, God, how dare you, God, tell me I, I have to forgive that person. And we just kept wrestling. And there was a couple of limps whole lot of tears. There was altar to altar. I wanted to throw in the towel. Hey, you know what? I've been, the Bible tells us that he leaves the 99 to go get the one. I've been the one more than once. I've been the one more than once. 
So I'll tell you, so there I was wrestling with God. And in that wrestling match, there's good and there's bad and there's ouches and there's sacrifices. And in that place, there's honesty and tears. And you give up and you die and you lay it at the altar and you pick it back up again. And you're wrestling with God. Verse 26, when the man said, let me go for it's almost daybreak. So in this wrestling match, he could have just said, okay, it's over. I don't quite got what I want yet, but it's, it's gone long enough. It, it's, it's too hard. I don't want to go any further. At this time, he had to persevere. It, it'd be so easy for him to say, okay, I got, I got enough today. But I didn't want just enough. I want a blessing. I don't want just enough. I want to be delivered. I don't want just enough. I want to be healed. I don't want just enough. I want to be set free. I don't want just enough. I want to be made new. Amen? So there he is. And the man says, okay, it's daybreak. Let me go. But Jacob replied this. I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go. Man, I'm not going to stop dealing with this. I'm not going to let go. I need a blessing. I need to be changed. I need to be set free. I need to be made new. I need the victory. Oh, I need it deep in my soul. I need it in my bones. I need it in my mind. I need it on my tongue. I need it in my family. I need it in my children. I need it in my future. I need it in my home. I need this. Oh, I can't let go. I can't let go. Now, in first service, I told them about a movie that was made in the 70s, maybe early 80s. Officer and a gentleman. Anybody know Officer? Love lifts us up where we belong. All right, I'm on the other side of 50, so I know this movie. Richard Gere was the character that played in that movie. Remember Richard Gere? He was the hot throb of the early 80s. And, and Lou Gossip Jr., he was the drilling sergeant. And he was like, you know, he was like Matt. He's jacked, Matt. Now, come on. <laughs> he, he was like Matt. <laughs> and in this movie, this, the, the plot of the movie is that Lou Gossip Jr. does not really like, the drill instructor does not really like uh, the candidate that's, that... Richard Gere is playing. So he gives a weekend off to all the other students. And they go up and live it out like Navy guys would. But he won't give Richard Gere's character the weekend off. And that weekend, he makes them run and jump and sit-ups and jumping jacks and keeps them up late and wakes them up early. He's doing everything he can to crack his spirit, to make them give up, to make them surrender. And the final moment of that story they show the Richard Gere character doing sit-ups. Sit-ups. Why the Lucifer, the drill sergeant, has just got a hose in his face. He's doing these push-ups. He's doing these push-ups, and his water's hitting him in the face. And finally, the drill instructor says to him, why don't you just give up? You know it. Why don't you just give up? Nobody wants you here. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve to be an officer. Just go home. Just give up. Why don't you just give up? And the Richard Gere character says this, because I have nowhere else to go. When I wrestled 
with my abuse that I want to give up every day. It's too hard. It was too scary. It was too deep. I was the, why do I got to deal with this? It was too, too ugly. And Satan would say, just give up. Just go back and be what everybody knows what you are, a loser. Go back to that world and be what everybody knows you'll be, a nothing. The enemy would lie and creep in. But just like Richard Gere, his character and officer and gentleman, because I got nowhere else to go. This is it. The psalmist would say, I can make my bed in hell, and yet the Lord would know where I am. There's nowhere else to go. And as Jacob wrestled with the angel, oh, as he would not let go, I can't let go. I can't let go. The angel said to him this, what's your name? Man. What's your name? He said, what's your name? And Jacob had an answer. Oh, everybody knows what my name is, I can imagine. He would say, everybody knows what I am. Oh, I'm the, I'm the liar. You too are going to mock me. You too are going to make fun of me. You too are going to make me say it. But there out of his mouth, out of that mouth, he had to confess it one last time. What's your name? The angel would say to him. And he had to cry out, my name is Jacob. I'm the one that's broken. I'm the one that's hurting. I'm the one that's deceived. I'm the one that's made the mistakes. And he cried out to me as God and I and life and situations wrestled. And he would say to me, Mark, what's your name? And I cried out. I said, my name is Victim because that's all I know. That's everything I am. My name is Victim. You don't understand, God. I didn't know my dad. I didn't know my mother abandoned me. My father neglected me. My body was abused. My name is Victim. And silence came over. And just like he did in verse 28, then the man said, your name is, will no longer be Jacob. Oh, can you imagine the relief? Can you think about it in your mind's eye? The thing in the past no longer has a hold on you. Oh, that thing that's been identifying you, the thing that's shackled itself to you, the thing that the shadow, that the mountain that casted its shadows of lies on you your whole life no longer is a part of you anymore. See, my abuse was my Everest. It was always there. My abuser, even after I was adult, married with kids, pastoring churches, marrying and burying, that abuse was constantly in for me. It was the Everest. It was the mountain that cast its shadow on everything I did. The way I thought about myself, the way I responded. Who cares what I have to say? I'm junk. Who cares what I got to do? I'm a nothing. But one day, even though that Everest never got smaller and the enemy still tries to come and steal and destroy, I'm going to tell you what happened. God got bigger. God got bigger. God got bigger. God got bigger than the lies. God got bigger than the pain. Oh, it's true. I still got my days. I still got my, I still got my triggers. I'm a real human being. But God's bigger than all the lies of the enemy. God's bigger than all the attacks of the Satan. God's given us victory. You know how I know it? Because he said, it is finished. So there's Jacob 
cried out his name for the last time in verse 28. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because, catch this, ready? Because you've wrestled with God and with humans and have overcome. So guys, I want you to hear this. In a sense, he started this match back in 32 as a deceiver. But he's ending this match. He's ending this in a blessing being called what? An overcomer. Hallelujah. He's got a new name, and you got a new name. And don't let your past mistakes be the name that you live by, because God always saw Jacob. God always saw Jacob as the overcomer. The only person who saw Jacob as the deceiver was himself, because God always purposed, God always called, God already ordained, God already made a way that he would always be the overcomer. And your past today, don't let it give you a name that you're not supposed to have. God's too good. God's too merciful. God's too great. Don't live in a name that, God, that your past has tried to give you. I don't know what you went through. But I know in a room this full, we've all been through something. And we'd love to let it be the thing that holds us back. But when you run with Jesus, you could run and not get weary. You could run and not grow faint because God is with us and God is with us always. I want to tell you this morning that I think, you know, I, the Bible doesn't say this. So I'm just going to step out a little bit. Is that okay, brother? Try pastor. Think Pastor Kevin will be mad at me? Maybe. I don't know. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Because you're a Michigan fan. OH. There you go. Boom. Right there, buddy. I mean, you're the greatest guy. I want to hug you, but man, this one thing. We'll talk later. I believe this. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but this is Mark's mind. I, will you just give me a little. I believe for the rest of Jacob's life, he wrestled. Uh, he walked with a limp. I believe after that wrestling match, he knew when the weather was going to change. Hey, honey. Yep. It's rain today. Come on, how many know people like that in their life? They're like the, the weatherman. How do they know? Oh, my ankle, my back. We're going to get four inches of snow. My, my big toe is aching, you know. I believe that Jacob walked the rest of his life with a limp. I think just like anybody else, his kids ran in front of him. His grandkids ran in front of him. His wife would tell him to come on. But he kept walking with that limp trying to keep up. Maybe he couldn't carry as much as he used to. Maybe he couldn't go as fast as he did. But I think he walked every day for the rest of his life with that limp. But I don't think he minded because every time he took a limp, I believe it, he reminded him, I'm no longer Jacob, but I'm Israel. I'm no longer Jacob, but I'm an overcomer. I'm no longer Jacob, but I'm Israel. I'm no, longer what God, I'm no longer what Satan tried to make me. I'm no longer what my wounds tried to make me. I'm no longer what the lies tried to make me. I'm no longer what the past tried to make me. But I've been set free. I've been made new. I'm delivered. I'm a new creation. I've been godless. He took my heart of stone and turned it into a heart of flesh today. So I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Because if you're there, I'll tell you this victory this victory. Don't live shackled to your past. Live in unity with your God. Let him abide in you as you abide in him. Father God, we come to you today, and I thank you, Lord, for your word and your presence. And I, Father, I thank you. You are still setting the captive free.
And Father, for anybody that heard this message today, Father, it may have pierced the heart. Father, they might, might be looking at me going, Pastor, I know, I know what you're going through. Father, I pray today that you just let them know you're bigger. It's okay to cry. It's okay to weep. It's okay to wrestle. And in those moments, Lord, they may shake a fist. And they say, how come? And oh, no. Why me? But Abba, Father, you're big enough. You're big enough, Lord God, because you poured out an agape love to us to pull us closer to you. You pull us closer to you. And your word promises where I am weak, you are strong. Father, may the past not dictate. May the flesh not dictate. But may the Spirit of the Lord touch your people. Because the Lord and the Lord has set free is free indeed. We give you praise. We give you glory as we come to the communion table. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen.